Taking our text this morning from Matthew chapter number 1. We'll start in verse number 18 and read through verse 25. I do want to say how much I love and appreciate my wife. Shanda, I love you. You make me the best version of myself that I can be, and I'm very thankful for you. While I was driving here this morning on our, our way to church, a thought crossed my mind that I had never really considered before. And um, I don't know how much you know about, about me or how much the Dylans have said about my family, but uh, I'm one of, of three boys. And this morning on our way to church, I was driving here and Shannon and I, we were talking and the thought dawned on me that right about now, I have a brother in Indiana and I have a brother in Minnesota. And that right about now, all three of us will be ministering this morning. And what a joy and a blessing it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. There are some things that you do take for granted, and that is not one of them. So, boys, I love you. I'm rooting for you this morning. Turning in your Bible to Matthew chapter number 1, starting with verse number 18, the story reads like this. Now the birth of Jesus was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before They came together. She was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Someone said of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say Holy Ghost. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Someone say Redeemer. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Somebody say God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I'll be preaching a Christmas sermon to you, and I will release my title here shortly. But before we go any further into this service, I would be remiss if we didn't lift our hands up towards heaven. And on this Christmas Eve Sunday service, if we want to ask his presence to continue to abide with us, Lord, you are holy, you are worthy, and you are mighty. God, we ask you that you would come to this place, Lord, that you would do something spectacular in this house, Lord. God, it is my desire that you show up and that you do something miraculous here today. Lord, it is, it is my, my desire that you come in here and you help somebody here today, Lord. I pray that you would touch the words of my mouth. Help me, Lord, to find the vein of your spirit, Lord. Help me to be your mouthpiece today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I was in conversation with, with Brother Robbins and uh, telling him of our Christmas plans and how I was excited to get to see him this, uh, this coming holiday. And, and as we were talking, he had made mention about wanting us to come and, and minister on Christmas Eve. And, of course, I, I accepted. And, and so, as oftentimes it goes, I... When I'm asked to preach, immediately my mind starts racing a hundred miles an hour of a hundred things that I need to do or what to preach or how to, where to start, what to do. And so as 
as always, I began to, to think and ponder, Lord, what, what am I going to preach? Or what would you have me to say? And on a Christmas service, no less, my first time, Lord, what, what would you have me to speak that someone else couldn't? And, and, and why did you afford me this opportunity? And so, as I always do, of course, in study and prayer time, I, I pray a, just a very simple prayer about... Lord, help me to be your mouthpiece. And I don't want to step outside of what you want to speak to your people today. And I, I want to be able to be a, a voice of help for them today. And so, as I studied, as I prepared, and as I, I, I prayed, I still kept feeling this block of, Lord, what is it? What is your will? What can I accomplish for you here? And so, as I was contemplating what to, to preach to, to us this morning, or some sort of Christmas-themed sermon or message, I I really wanted to feel after what God wanted me to say this morning. And two weeks ago, we walked into our home church in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we had a Christmas program service for our children. And it was a very simple service. There was nothing really to it. We had a couple of drama productions, and our kids' choir sang that Sunday morning. And the song that they sang finalized what I felt in my spirit to preach to you today. And the song goes like this. Tell me, tell me the story. I can't hear it enough, how God sent down to earth his heavenly love. Tell me, tell me the story, tell it again. Tell me the story of Jesus. And so as I was sitting there in that service, it played over and over and over in my mind. And my desire was to preach to you something new. My desire was to preach to you something revelatory. But this morning, I will preach to you this idea that Christmas saved me. Christmas saved me. When we look at the story of Christmas and what Christmas means, we can go through the glitz and the glamour of all the presents and the toys and underneath the Christmas tree, but I would be remiss this Sunday morning if if I did not express to you the fact that what Christmas truly is, and although those wonderful things are great and they're wonderful, and I, I love the fact that we're able to spend time with our friends and with our family and feel blessed and have Thanksgiving and be able to, to enjoy all those things, but what we must never forget is what Christmas truly started in the first place. And so it's here in our text this morning that Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's found with child, and, she's, and she has been filled with the Holy Ghost by this Baby, And it's a greatly important thing to note here that very few people up until that time and place had ever experienced the moving of the power of the Holy Ghost. And what a lady to find such favor with God to be blessed to, and graded such a blessing to carry the Savior of the world in her womb. But what a great blessing and even greater responsibility that would have come with not just to, to be Mary but also to be Joseph. The responsibility to care for and equip this young man, this baby, to watch, to nourish, to uphold, to teach, to love, to cherish. Knowing that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy and understanding the weight that must have been. Understanding that underneath their rooftop, in their home, in their bedroom, the child that they would feed would be the Savior for their sin. And I find it very interesting that Mary and Joseph are chosen to raise this baby boy, especially in the manner in which it happened. You see, uncommon to that day and uncommon to most every day, the appearance of a woman 
being with child while yet not married was something to scorn, to look at, to, to be opposed to. Especially whenever she was not married to this person that she was engaged to. And what stress and what strain that must have placed on their relationship and the fear of the unknown of what that might have been in that time. And so, as I study different translations to find a, a verbiage or word to describe this, the New International Version puts it like this, because Joseph was a faithful husband and faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her public disgrace of being with child. He had in mind to divorce her. What a tragedy that would have been. What a tragedy that would have been that before, he, the, before the angel even spoke to him, he had almost made it up in his mind that this was not what I wanted to be a part of. What a tragedy that would have been for not only Joseph, but also for Mary. But what tragedy also that would have been for that baby. And so, but why? Why, why were these two individuals without any sort of credentials without any sort of 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 any sort of prestige why were they chosen and why were they granted such favor and so this question it 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 plagued me as I thought and as I wanted to know why what was so important about Mary and Joseph that they were chosen and so as I went through the lineage of Christ and I went through this Beautiful depiction of what their family would have looked like. And, and, and as I look through the, the annals of history of, of one after the other, and this person begat this person, and this person had this person. And as I looked through, I was able to see the, what the coming of Christ really meant for humanity. And so as you look through his lineage, you can find King David, of course, and you can find Solomon, you can find... Jacob, and you can find Abraham, but also tucked within these very prestigious people of the Bible are two women that were named Ruth and Rahab. And if we gather nothing else from this Christmas story, we must understand this one thing, that Christ came down to earth to bring salvation for all. I'm going to say that again. We must never forget what Christmas truly means was the start of the plan of salvation For all humanity. He came to redeem his people. To save them out of their sin. And so why Ruth and Rahab? Why are they included in this wonderful uh, lineage of Christ? And so when we look at both of them. We're able to see this beautiful story of redemption. With both Ruth and with Rahab. We're able to see that they are not only just included in the bloodline of Christ but they were added to that bloodline. This simply proves this to me in nature, that God being himself showed us by just including them in the birth line, in the bloodline, that he truly was the redeemer of sin. And when we read the Old Testament, when we read in Exodus chapter number 3, it reads like this. God is described as I am that I am, or I have been what I always will be. Or if I could put it to you like this, I, have, I am what I have promised you to be. And so in order for that to be true, in and of himself, he would have to, to orchestrate or he would have to uh, exemplify true salvation and redemption. And so I feel here in this story that with Ruth, 
as she was betrayed by her family, she finds a place of refuge knowing that she has found the kinsman redeemer in Boaz. And with Rahab, she was able to help the children of Israel being included in the bloodline of Christ. What a true statement of redemption considering the lifestyle in which she lived. So I say all that to say this. I want to help someone this morning by simply saying this, that you might have walked into this house this morning feeling all giddy about Christmas, and you may be excited about the time that you're going to spend with your family, but you may have also walked in this morning not knowing the outcome of your future or where you currently may be standing. You may have walked in today trying to get through this holiday season with your head hung low, just trying to get by and on to the next thing. And hopefully you're going to start the new year off better because that is the hope. Let me encourage you this morning and tell you this, that Jesus came as a baby to help you, to be with you, and to redeem you from the things of your past. it's, It's not a question of whether or not he will. It's not a question of whether or not he can. It's a question of whether or not you will. Because we have to bring ourselves to a place where we are able to find that true redemption through Christ. And so this morning I understand that that it is Christmas, but I, I can't get past the fact that there may be someone in this room here today that you are trying to get through this holiday because this may be the worst holiday that you might experience and you really don't want to be in the place of life that you're currently in. But I have hope for you this morning that you can find that peace and you can find that refuge all wrapped up in Jesus Christ himself. And you may think to yourself, well, Nicholas, that's wonderful to preach. Nicholas, that's wonderful, but you don't understand because this holiday season, I found myself in that same place, a place of hurt, a place of discouragement, and a place of confusion. And so my goal this whole holiday season was if I can just get by and if I can just get through, if I can just watch December 31st slip away And when January 1st comes through, it's going to be a new year and it's going to be a new thing. Let me tell you here this morning, I'm not just preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself here today, that God can help you today. God can be there for you today. He can put the pieces of your life back together today that we don't have to wait for some grandiose occasion or event, but God can help us today. And that's why on this Christmas Sunday, I decide that when I look back, I want to say this, that Christmas truly saved me. The birth of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of his plan was a start of salvation for me. So what does this look like? What does this mean? And how do we get here? Yes, I understand that Jesus was born as a baby lying in a manger to these, to these parents. But as everything is in the Bible, everything has a prophetic beginning. And as I sat down and I, and I pondered the, the birth of Christ and its, and its emphasis in Scripture... Still, the same song rang through my head. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me, tell me the story of Jesus. And so most of us are familiar with the birth of Christ, and we know we've read the prophecies of his coming. And we can look to any Old Testament prophet and see the foretelling of a future Messiah who will one day save uh, his people from their sin. And we see all this up until the very start of Jesus' ministry. Every prophet said, one is coming. One is coming. Just wait. Somebody 
is coming. And we see this with John, his cousin. He preaches that there is one who will come after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so Jesus enters onto the scene with, this, with one of the greatest reviews from his cousin and one of the greatest prophets in history. And so when we look back into the Old Testament annals of prophecy, we can find in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse 6 where we're introduced to what the name of Jesus would be. And we can find that he's found to be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And so we're able to see that, yes, his name is going to include all these wonderful attributes. And then we can continue to look further back in Isaiah as well where we see uh, the warning of his birth and how it should be accomplished in Isaiah chapter number 7 and verse 14, that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And yes, we've all heard these wonderful passages of Scripture before, and we've all read these passages of Scripture before in our ways of reading through the Bible in a year, but these, these particular passages plagued me because they seemed out of place. They seemed out of place. Because it's wonderful whenever we, whenever we read Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But what plagues me is in the context in which this verse is found. And it was in a conversation with my mother one night where I came to the realization that these prophecies, they just didn't make sense in the time in which they were said. And I didn't understand why in the context of, of, this, of this scripture, of this passage, of this chapter, why Isaiah would interrupt his words to bring this word of hope. Why would Isaiah, in the middle of writing a, 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 a message to the king and the people of Israel at that time, why would he include a random excerpt about the coming of Christ? And to be honest with you, it bothered me. It bothered me. Because in my eyes, one of the hardest things that Shannon and I have learned to work through in our marriage is when she tells me a story with details that do not make any sense to the story. And it is, it is a struggle of mine because I am not a detail-oriented person per, per se. And I just give me the facts. I just want to know, like I don't care the color of the shirt. I don't care the color of their pants or what hairstyle they were donning that day. What did they do? Why are you telling me this story? And so in the same sense as I'm reading Isaiah chapter 9, the same thing hits me. Isaiah, you are prophesying about and you are telling the people of Israel something and all of a sudden you just stop and you just say, unto us a child is born? What is that? How does that make sense? And so... In an attempt to understand and to really make sense of what was going on, I dove into this narrative and, and what I found was so beautiful. And I feel it's, and, and, and I feel that it will bless us today. And so reading in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as was in her vexation. And when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee, Galilee, huh, Galilee of the nations. That sounds terrible. I mean, that just sounds terrible. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, that they dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. How horrible of a thing that must have been. But thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. Imagine living in a place of just depression. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. 
as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Talking about the past joys that they would have experienced, but now experience no longer. For that has broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Again, Isaiah is, is foretelling, or rather he is bringing back the past of the children of Israel. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood, that this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. If you can just pause right there. What a horrible place it must have been for the people of Israel. What a horrible place it must have been for, for Judah. What a terrible place. But in the midst of this condemnation, Isaiah breaks, breaks his train of thought and says, But unto us a child is born. In the midst of all this, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth and forever. In the middle of telling Israel about the, about the pains that they are about to face, and in the midst of, the, of their upcoming imprisonment of Babylon, and although Israel is continually doing evil in the sight of God, and they are continually breaking His commandments, and Isaiah is bringing judgment upon them. He writes to them about this, this horrible exile that they are about to experience, the devastation and the dispersion of their families. And, and, and in this time, there will not be a place for them to worship collectively together. And the name of God will not even be something that is familiar to them in this time. He interrupts this brutal foretelling to say this. I have come to introduce you to your Redeemer. And that just leads me here. That we can get so wrapped up in our average day-to-day lifestyle. And we can get so wrapped up in the horrible things that have befallen our world. And we can get so wrapped up in the, in the average hurts of family and hurts of life and hurts of your job and hurts of your, of your overwhelming circumstances, whatever it might be. But we can get so wrapped up in where we are at currently. I was having this conversation last night that we miss what God is doing on the backside of things. Come on, man. Is that we can become so focused on the pain and the hurt that we are constantly or currently feeling. And we can get so wrapped up in all the pain and pressure of this life that we forget that God has said, I have a redeemer for you. And so in that time, yes, Israel, they are, they, are, they are scared. They are worried. They're like, what is going on? We are about to witness the worst thing, one of the worst times in our history. And isn't it just like God to say, huh, I got something for you. In due time, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the pain that you feel right now, the oppression of the government that you are currently under, he will have a government where there will be no end. And he will be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be the mighty God. He will be an everlasting father. Do you know what that explains to me, Brother Dylan? Do you know what that explains to me? That tells me this, that I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
and I can still fear no evil. That tells me that I can walk through some of the hardest parts of my life and some of the hardest parts in my day and knowing that his rod and his staff, they bring me comfort. I can have confidence knowing that I can, I can be so close to a breakthrough in God, but yet I can still feel so far from him, but I have a wonderful counselor. I have an everlasting father. I have a prince of peace. And so today we may have walked through this this time where we feel so abandoned by our loved ones and so abandoned by the things of this world that we feel the depression and chaos of our society. And we can look into the news, and I'm sure some of you did this morning, you can see the hate and the evil that is befalling the people in our world. That we can become so wrapped up in all of it that we lose sight on there is a Prince of Peace. And His name is Jesus. And He came to seek and to save those who were lost. And so this morning, my attempt, my goal is to draw you out of the, and to draw you out of the, the, the idea of this so self-centered focus of what today is and bring you to the realization that Christmas, Christmas, Christmas has saved me. That Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, started the plan that saved me. I want to encourage someone today. I, I, I'm trying my best. I, I, want, I, I, I want to break through what I feel right here in this, in, 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 in this service. But I want, to, I want to help someone today that you don't have to walk through this holiday season with your hell, head held low. I understand that there are some in this room who have been dealt a, uh, dealt a losing hand of cards of life. And I understand that sometimes it feels like the cards of life are just stacked against you. And inside of your own self, you have already written and sealed the fate of your future with judgment and condemnation of what has happened or what you feel can happen. But I'm here to help someone today. And I know that in the middle of the time of your judgment that there is a ransomed redeemer who has stepped onto the scene and is begging to help you if you would just let him in. That, 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 there, is a, that there was a boy who was born of a virgin woman who entered into this world to save and help you. And he is the only one who is worthy to redeem. I, 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 I find in this... Forgive me. Forgive me. But we can't do it in our own might, in our own ability. I don't want to do it in my own might, in my own ability. That brings so much stress and pressure. I don't have to, I don't have to fill out a, a pros and cons list of the things that I've done and, and, and mirror that to the things that I need to do to get right. I don't have to say I've done this and, and in order to redeem myself, I now have to do this. It's not about works. I don't, I don't have the pressure of saying, well, goodness, Nicholas, now because you failed here, I have to succeed in 18 different areas just to feel like I'm okay now. Let me tell you this morning, that's not how God did it. Because he, he bore the sins of all. And he holds the, the world in the palm of his hand. And, and, and it's up to him to decide. It's up to him to offer, offer redemption and offer reconciliation and, offer, and to offer you peace. It's not up to me. I, it's not a weight that I have to bear any, any longer because I understand that, that he is the worthy redeemer. 
And so this morning, you can, you can be thinking in your own mind of how, 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 how can I get back to the place of where I'm supposed to be? How can I get back to a place of blessing, if you will, Dad? How can I get back to a place of where I feel blessed? How can I get back to a place of where I can regain what I may have lost? How do I get there? You don't get there. He does. Because He is worthy alone. And He is the only one who can redeem. And He is the only one who can bless us. So let me help you this Christmas morning. You may walk home to a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And you may walk home to no presents underneath that tree. But one of the greatest things that God ever blessed us with, one of the greatest things that God ever granted us was a chance at salvation. It's not about the presents that are underneath the Christmas tree. It's not about the ornaments that are there. It's not even about the family that may be there with you. But it's about an opportunity to experience something that will change your life forever. And if you are in this room and you have never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost ever before. And you have never experienced the power of what redemption truly looks like. I encourage you this morning that you don't have to go home to the pains and the, and the aches of this world and of the, of the sin that you're living in. But you can have an opportunity of redemption because God is not slack to not forgive and his hand is not slack to not send out forgiveness and so this morning Christmas, Christmas, Christmas Christmas can save you for those of you in this room who have never experienced it before for those of you who have never experienced the power of salvation, who have never experienced the the overwhelming sense of when God touches you, when he helps you, when he strengthens you, when he undergirds you and you feel this, this strength that only comes from God. If you never felt that here today, this morning, I encourage you, before you leave, we're going to come down to this altar and God will touch you and God will help you and God will bless you. I, I am confident in that this morning. And if you've never experienced a plan of salvation ever before, this is the best time to do it. Because you're going to walk into Christmas morning tomorrow saying, I'm thankful for the gifts that I've opened, but my God, I'm so thankful that I have a place of eternity in salvation. We must always remember that although Christmas, yes, is a national holiday celebrated by many, this should be a holiday celebrated and remembered for what could have been. For what could have been. And conversation last night, well into the night with, um, with my father-in-law, we were talking about how God opens doors and God shuts doors. And one of the tragedies that I found in my, in, in my own personal life is, is this, is not knowing when God has closed a door on my behalf and being angry with him for doing so. I might go so far to say this, that the greatest blessings in my life have not been the open doors. But they've been the ones that God closed to keep me. The ones that God said, Nicholas, that's not for you right now. Because I, ultimately I have a plan for you and it's, it's far greater than what you could ever imagine. And, and so I'm going to close this door for you. You may not understand in the moment, but you'll understand later that this was for you. The greatest gift that you could ever, ever, ever see is God's hand of protection on your life. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. And so in closing, if our musicians can come this morning, I promised my family I wouldn't be long-winded today, and, and here we are.
But I want to share with you a story. Um, and it is, it is humorous. I'm going to try and lighten the mood this morning. It's a little humorous, but I do believe that it, it lends a, a wonderful example for what I'm accomplishing, trying to accomplish to, to, to disclose to you this morning. It was sometime in the 2000s where the Egger family Christmas... Um, as usual, we decided one year that we were going to uh, get a real tree. And so it was a wonderful time, and we, we went to a Christmas tree farm, and of course, as us young boys were doing, we were running around the farm trying to find the most perfect tree, and of course, we had disagreements, because what boys don't. And so finally, we came to the tree that my mother picked out and found that was, that was nice, and it was wonderful, and we all agreed. This is, this is the tree that we're going to bring home. And so, as our tradition was, whenever we decorate our Christmas tree, we went by Dunkin' Donuts. And some people in this room don't even consider them a donut company, but that's okay. They are some of the most wonderful donuts on planet Earth. Can I get an amen? Oh, there we go. And as our tradition was, is we would get munchkins and we would eat munchkins as we decorated the Christmas tree. And this tree, that year was... Uh, was special because we decided to decorate it with all the ornaments that we had made as children. So it's kind of like a, uh, a, a memory tree, if you will. And as, as it was, the, we woke up the next day and the tree was still standing and it looked great. And a couple days went on and we woke up a Christmas morning and found the tree laying on the ground. And the humorous part of this story is not that the tree fell, because that was, well, for our family, it was, it was pretty terrible. But the funny part was, is that my dad was so frustrated with this tree. And he decided that he was going to pick the tree up and he was going to take it outside and throw it off the, the back, back porch balcony. And he, that's what he was going to do, because he was so fed up with it. So he did, or attempted to. And... In this exchange between him and my mom, she expressed to him that, honey, that's not the correct way to take the tree outside. You need to flip it around and turn it over. He said, no, I got it. Okay. And so instead of taking the tree out butt first or bottom first, he decides to take it off, to take it out top first. And as we get halfway through the door, the limbs catch on the door frame, and every pine needle on that tree ends up in the house. The humorous part. And it gets stuck, and my father, with his, in, in his anger, decides that he's going to pick this tree up himself, and he does, and he rips it through the door frame, takes it outside by himself, throws it over takes it down the stairs, throws it over the back fence, wipes his hands of it, and is done. And so, of course, he took the tree out wrong, realized his mistake, and the laughter began. But that Christmas, we didn't celebrate Christmas with a Christmas tree. And I don't know if you're able to do this or not. If you can't, it's okay. But can you pull up a nativity scene for me? No? Okay, that's all right. That Christmas... We celebrated Christmas around the nativity. And it was odd opening up my gifts next to baby Jesus. And it was odd opening up my Christmas present next to 
a little baby sheep. It was odd. But what that did for me was it instilled in me that yes, the decorations are nice, but what should always be our focal point is not the tree, but it should be who it's about. And so even though it was a humorous story, and even though it was silly and it made no sense, and we were the only family that year who opened our gifts in front of the Christmas nativity, uh, it brought a realness to the fact that when Christ was born, that was the start of salvation. That was the plan that he put in place. And so this morning, I, I encourage you today in this, and you can all stand That although the tree is nice and, all the, and although the tree is wonderful, we can put a price tag on glitz and glamour. But what we must never forget are the humble beginnings of the birth of Christ. And what Christmas should mean to you, what Christmas should mean to me, and what Christmas should exemplify is this. Is that the nativity was the start, and that's great. And we need, to, we need to remember that. But if you have a Christmas tree in your home this, 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 mor- this morning, and you go home this afternoon to see it, we must remember that the Christmas tree is just a tree. It's just a tree. It's just a decoration. It's not the meaning of Christmas. It's just a tree. And if you want to go further than that, we can go further than that. We can say this. That when we look at these two ideas, a nativity and a tree, we can say this. That it started at the nativity scene and Christ fulfilled his purpose for our lives by dying on a tree. And so, when you go home today, let's remember the nativity. But let's also look at that Christmas tree and say, thank you, Lord for giving your life for mine on Calvary's tree.